I want to go back to Acts chapter 2, and I want to look at verse number 1. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, and we were here last week. And the Bible says this, When the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after Passover, had fully come, they were all with one accord. In other words, they were in divine alignment with a purpose, and they were in one place. And suddenly there come a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory for what you're going to continue to do in this house. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. And everyone said amen. How many of you were in the second service last week? Let me see. Anybody in the second service? Okay, a couple of you. Most of you were in the first service. Well, I didn't share this in the first service, um, but I did in the second service. But I, I just want to kind of start here. And um, last week I shared with you that there was a uh, the story uh, about Los Angeles, California, several, several years ago. They had hired um, an environmental team to come in and to address the pollution problem that they had in their city. And after much study and great expense, one of the spokesmen from the uh, team addressed the mayor and a lot of the council that were there that day and a lot of the officials that had gathered in the city to hear the report on um, which they uh, had um, solved the problem for their pollution situation. And one of the guys got up and he said, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this. He said, after much study, we have found no solution for the pollution problem. And then it was almost like an afterthought. He said, really what needs to happen is we need a wind from another place to come into this city and sweep out all of the pollution and all of the smog and just carry it out to sea. And I thought about that statement. And as we gather here this morning and all of those that are joining us on online church I want you to know that we have a spiritual pollution problem in our society. And it really has placed a fog, if I can use that, a spiritual fog over our nation, which has hindered our view of the sun, the S-O-N, sun. And so all of these things, all of this activity, all of the corruption, everything that's going on has caused uh, almost like a haze, a spiritual haze that's been placed upon the nation. And so we've had politicians and we've had pastors and we've had certain panels and collect or community leaders have looked at all of our problems throughout many, many years. And it seems as though we've looked at these problems to no avail. And I'm not here to say that we should stop meeting or we should discontinue our discord and our, our dis, uh, 
discontinue our dialogue, I should say. But what I am suggesting to us today is that maybe, just maybe, we should start looking for a solution elsewhere. If you just want my opinion, and that's all it is, uh, because all of us have one. Come on, smile at me. It's all right. Uh, uh, if you just want my opinion, one I, I believe, and I believe I have Scripture to back it up and support it, I believe that this is just a small snippet of what it looks like without God in our society. Just a small snippet. I think it's a small snapshot of what it would look like without God governing the consciousness of a community and our society. You know, Jesus warned us about this. He warned us about days like this. In Matthew 24 and 12, his disciples asked him a question. He said, what would be or what will be the sign of your return? And he gave them many things and um, many different signs, earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors of wars, and then one of the things that he said was in Matthew 24 and 12, he said this, in the last days, because of lawlessness, or because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness. It means deliberately disobeying a specific standard. Leon Morris in his commentary says that it is a way of life that refuses to recognize any divine law. I mean, how else could you explain the senseless murder of George Floyd? I mean, how else could you explain that with the fact that lawlessness, a disregard to recognize and to realize or to follow any divine law. And then there are those who are not protesting the injustice that took place, but they have taken advantage and almost hijacked what had taken place to, to promote their agenda and to riot in the streets of America. It is because of the spirit of lawlessness that will be prevalent in the last days. It will continue to increase. As a matter of fact, one of the names that the Bible attributes to the, to the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3 says, that, that he will be the man of lawlessness. And so what we are seeing and what we are witnessing is just a small snapshot of what it will be like when lawlessness will run rampant, not just in America, but in the nations of this world. The Bible says that because of that, the love of many will go cold. And without laws, you have no society. You have no society. The effects of lawlessness have also penetrated itself into the church. I say that because the love of many in the church has grown cold. There were those who once burned with holy zeal and passion and fire for the Lord. 
but yet those are nowhere to be, or in a lot of cases, they're nowhere to be found. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we have gone cold in our relationship with the Lord is simply because we have left our first love. We have left our first love. It's in the church of Ephesus that John writes to them, and he writes in Revelation 2, he says this, remember where you have fallen and repent. Remember where you have fallen and repent. This means remembering what it was like when you were in love with the Lord, passionate about the Lord, pursuing the presence of God, your love for God and your love for one another, your love for your neighbor. What is the greatest commandment that we can obey? That is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and our neighbor as we would ourselves. And he says, you need to remember these things. You need to go back to these things. You need to go back to the foundation of the relationship that you started with me. And you need to begin to rekindle the love and the passion and the zeal of our relationship with one another because you cannot love God and hate someone else. It's impossible because if you love God, irrespective whether you agree with certain things or not, whether you see eye to eye with certain things or not, it doesn't matter. That does not negate the love that we are supposed to have one for another. Can I get an amen right here? Amen. Now listen to me. I know this is kind of awkward, this whole social distancing seating thing, but we don't have to socially distance our praise. Come on, somebody. Let's all put our hands together right here and right now. And so he says, remember, repent, and then he says to go back and do your first works. He said, go back and do them over again. So what were the first works? Well, remember how you used to pray. I knew it was going to be tight in here today, but I'm all right. I'm ready for you. He said, go back and remember the joy that you had when you were able to assemble together with other believers. Remember how you used to spend time in his word. Remember how excited you were about telling others about Jesus. So he says, not only are you to remember, not only are we to repent, but we're also to go back to these core foundations. And I'm telling you, church, if we will go back to these core foundations of spending time in the Word, of praying, of gathering together, and of and sharing the good news, I'm telling you, it will begin to ignite a fire on the inside of each and every one of us, and we'll regain our passion, and we'll regain our zeal, because we cannot give what we do not have. But if we will get full of God and full of his word, it will just automatically come out of you. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. He says this in warning. He said, if you don't, he said, I will come and I will remove the lampstand from its place. The lampstand, the lampstand. You think about the lampstand, you go back to Moses' tabernacle. You would walk in 
to the holy place, and you would see to the right of you the table of showbread representing the word of God, the 12 fresh loaves of bread that would be placed upon there every day, how that God's word needs to be fresh and relevant in our life every day. You would look to the left, and at the left you would see the candelabra. It It was filled with oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And what he was saying was simply this. If you do not remember, repent, and begin to return to your first works again, I will come and I will will remove my presence from among you. And all you will have is a group of people that gather but never make a difference in their lives or in someone else's life or in the community. Why? Because without the Spirit of God, we are powerless to do what God has called us to do. And so what's the solution to our spiritual pollution problem. I think the man was prophetic when he said, what you need is a wind from another place. And I simply believe what we need is a wind from another place to come in and sweep through this place and sweep through our city and sweep through our state and sweep through our nation and sweep through this world once again. We need, here it is, we need the wind of the Holy Spirit to to come in again and to sweep through our land so that we can experience the power of God transforming lives and transforming cities and transforming our nation again. But let me just say this. Before the presence of God can sweep through our land, the presence of God has to come back and sweep through our churches. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit to come again into our churches. How many of you know it starts with us? Hello, that was a question. How many of you know it starts with us? How many of you know it starts right here? It starts among us. And so we need the Holy Spirit Just like in the book of Acts, we need the Holy Spirit to begin to come into this house and we need the Holy Spirit to begin to sweep through this house and remove everything that would cause us to leave and lose our love and our passion towards Christ. To remove everything in our life that would cause us to lose those things. And then we need for every individual in the house to be filled with the Spirit of God. There has to be a desire for a fresh infilling of the Spirit of God to every believer. Now, let me explain something to you. When you become born again, you are filled with the Spirit of God. It's like this was empty, and when you become a believer, God fills you with His Spirit. You cannot be saved without the infilling of the Spirit of God. This is how we know God. This is how we call upon his name because God is a spirit, and they that worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. So when you are born again, God's spirit fills you, right? You cannot be saved without it. But there is another work of the Holy Spirit. It is the empowering work of the Holy Spirit because in John chapter 20 and verse 22, the Bible says that when Jesus entered the room where they were gathered together, hiding out after the crucifixion, he walked into that room and the Bible said that he breathed on them and they received 
the Holy Spirit. And then that same group, he said, listen, before you go out and before you do anything else, I want you to go to the upper room in Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. Wait for what? I want you to wait until you are endued with power from on high. And so if I had a pitcher of water here, I would show you the difference. Uh, this is being filled, uh, uh, filled with the Spirit of God. This is being, if I had a pitcher of water here, I would take it and drop it in that pitcher of water. That would be symbolic of us being endued with power from on high. In other words, the Holy Spirit completely moving and operating and us yielding to him, yielding our will to him, yielding our ways to him so that we can be empowered to do what he's called us to do. That's the wind that I'm talking about, church. That's the wind that's going to have to come into this house. That's the wind that's going to have to come into this house if we are going to make a difference in these last days. We've tried everything else. It's time that we have a wind from another place. We need heaven's answers to earth's problems. And the solution to the spiritual pollution problem that we have right now, the solution, I believe, is a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to breathe upon us again. It just seems to me that whenever God gets ready to do something new and something powerful, he always sends a wind to usher it in. And I'll, I'll be going, uh, I can't do it today, but several other places where when God gets ready to do something new, he'll bring a wind to usher it in. Let me just give you one example this morning. I want you to look at uh, Genesis chapter 8. Now, we know that God sent judgment on the earth because, Genesis chapter 6, because of the wickedness that was on the earth. The Bible said that the whole earth was full or filled with violence. And every man's thought and intent was wicked. And this is why God judged the earth at the time. And he judged it by a flood. And this is what happens as, it, as the flood comes to an end. Verse number 8 says this. And I'm going to read from the Message Bible. It says, Then God turned his attention to Noah. So God's attention was on judgment. He put Noah and his family in the ark. And then God allowed rain to come on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Another translation says, and then God remembered Noah. I'll talk about that in a minute. In a minute. And then God turned his attention to Noah and all the wild animals and the farm animals with him on the ship. And here it is. God caused the wind to blow and the floodwaters began to go down. The underground springs were shut off. The windows of heaven closed, and the rain quit. And then inch by inch, the water lowered. After 150 days, the worst was over. God sends judgment. God takes those who were faithful, Noah and his family, puts them in a place of safety into the ark. And then after 150 days, the waters begin to subside on the face of the earth. Now listen to this. 
Jesus said this in, in Matthew 7.25. Jesus said that rain, rains will come. He also said that floods would come. These are spiritual attacks that will come. And then he says this. He said every house would be tested. He said if that house is built upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus, the revelation of the word of God, he said that house will not fail. He said if the house is not built upon the rock, it will not stand. One of the things that you and I are witnessing right now, we are witnessing those things that have been built upon the rock and those things that have been built upon sand. And everything that has been built upon sand, man's ways, man's wisdom, men's ideas, everything that has been built up with that in mind will not last the storm. It will not last the flood that's here right now. But everything that has been built upon the rock will stand. How many of you know that the devil can huff and the devil can puff, but he'll never be able to blow this house over? Come on, somebody. Why? Because it is built upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus. And so what we are experiencing right now is we are experiencing rain. I'm going to take it another level. We are experiencing a flood stage of trouble in our nation. Every house from the White House to your house to the church house is being tested. Not one house is exempt from the testing that's going on in the earth right now. And sometimes because of the trouble and sometimes because of the problems that sweep into our lives, sometimes we feel as though God has forgotten us and as God has forsaken us. But I want you to know something. There's a word for someone here today. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Just like he said to Noah, he's saying to you and he's saying to me and he's saying to this nation, I have not forgotten you. I have not forsaken you. I am still with you. And I'm telling you, God's about to turn his attention back to the church, back to the body. God's about to turn his attention back to us, and it's not time for the church to hide, but it's time for the church to come out, just like they did in Acts chapter 2. It's time for the church to come out and step out and begin to decree and declare, this is what the Lord has to say about this situation. This is what the Lord is going to do with this matter. This is what's going to happen in the next season that we're getting ready to face. I'm telling you, God has not forgotten you, and God has not forsook you. If you believe that right now, come on, let's give him praise. Come on, those of you that are watching us online, just type it in right now. You are not forsaken. God has remembered you. If you live long enough, you will realize that every flood season of your life will be followed by the winds of refreshing. How many of you could use some winds of refreshing right now? Me and Jim and Jake, praise the Lord. Amen. Every flood season of your life will be followed by the wind season in your life. The Bible said that the winds begin to flow or begin to move upon the waters. And just like God moved upon Noah's situation, God is moving upon our situation as too as well. And you're, you, that flood, that trouble will begin 
to decrease. It's not always going to be like it is right now. But here's what I want you to know. It's not going to dry up overnight. I want you to lean in right now. Come on, we've been fighting this all the way through today. But I want you to lean in and listen to me. It's not going to be, it's not going away overnight. It's not going to happen. Notice what it said. Inch by inch. I'm back in Genesis chapter 8. Little by little, the waters began to decrease. Day by day. Prayer by prayer. Faith to faith. It's going to subside. Here's what I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you this right now. I wish I could tell you, just like God told Noah, after 150 days, the worst was over. I wish I could tell you right here, right now, that the worst is over, but I'm afraid I can't tell you that. And I'm not saying that to shake you up, and I'm not saying that to discourage you. I, again, I believe that God is trying to get our attention. He's using these things. I didn't say God sent it, but he's using these things to get our attention. And I don't feel like the worst is over. And we're just going to have to continue to ride this thing out. How? By faith. Where? In the presence of Christ. We're going to have to continue to ride this thing out until the waters subside. Some of you are trying to calculate in your mind right now, uh, 150, 100 after 150 days. Well, right now, this Sunday is the 159th day of the year. Someone say, praise God, last week the waters began to subside. Well, I, I wish I could tell you that was the case. By the way, 301 days Noah and his family were on that ark. Almost one solid year of riding this storm out, going through the destruction, going through this, this, this wave after wave of trouble. I wish I could tell you that the worst is behind me or behind us, but I still believe there are things that we're going to face, and your faith is going to have to be stronger and stronger, and your faith is going to have to be committed more and more than it ever has been before because every house is being tested right now. And so we're going to have to continue, continue to go back to those first works, prayer, study, assemble, assemble together, share our faith together so that we can get through this thing and experience what God has. Because here's what I believe is ahead of us. This is what I believe that is ahead of us. Watch this. Genesis 8, 8 through 11. We're going to fast forward. And meanwhile, he sent a dove to see if he could find dry ground. But the dove found no place to light or to rest. And the dove returned to Noah, for the water was still too high. Just look at your neighbor and tell him, not yet, not yet, not yet. The dove is not ready or unable to settle right now. And so Noah, the Bible said, held out his hand, drew the dove back into the boat. 
Verse 10, seven days later, Noah released the dove again. And this time toward evening, the bird returned to him, watch this, with an olive leaf in her beak. And Noah knew that the water was almost gone. I want you to watch this because I believe this is what's going to be in our future. Noah releases the dove from the ark. The ark is symbolic of Christ. I've taught on that. The ark is also symbolic of the church. The dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was baptized, the Bible lets us know that the Spirit of God descended upon him like what? A dove. And so the dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The ark is symbolic of the church. Noah releases the dove from the ark. The dove comes back. And here's what I believe. I believe the Holy Spirit is searching. I believe the Holy Spirit is looking for the next place for an outbreak of the move of the Spirit of God. And right now, because God is not the author of confusion and the Holy Spirit will not move in chaos, right now, this world, especially our nation, is not ready for what God's, God's getting ready to release in this nation. And so what happened? The dove came back, and Noah reaches out and pulls the dove back into the ark. Here's the first thing that needs to happen. Leaders in the church, pastors, need to embrace the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit back into the church. Come on, somebody. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move in our churches again. Noah reaches out symbolically, bringing the dove back in the ark. And it's a picture of the fivefold ministry, or it's a picture of leaders within the church receiving and welcoming the Holy Spirit back in our churches. Because if the Holy Spirit is not able to move in here, he's not going to move out there either. Say, it starts in here. Come on, it starts with us. So the dove cannot find a resting place. Comes back to the ark. Noah receives the Holy Spirit back, and then he releases the Holy Spirit back again. This time the Holy Spirit, or the dove, comes back with an olive leaf in its mouth. The olive branch is symbolic of what? Symbolic of peace. In biblical accounts, Extending an olive branch meant that there was an end of hostility between two parties. It signaled the end of a conflict. And so what God was saying to to Noah was simply this. My judgment is over. The hostility that I've had towards my creation because of their rebellion and because they refused to acknowledge me. He said that is over. And now I'm extending peace to you. And I'm extending this olive branch to you. And it was a sign. It was a sign to Noah. And here's what I'm trying to get us to see. It was a sign to Noah that there is life after the flood. And I just want to tell somebody right here, right now, there is life after your flood. There's going to be life after what's going on in our nation right now. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that that we're not ready, the nation is not ready 
for the outbreak and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why God is dealing with us right now. That's why, that's why we have to embrace the Holy Spirit. Remember what happened in Acts chapter 2. They were in that upper room. They were together. The Holy Spirit filled the house first. Then it filled each every individual that was in that house. And then Peter took the Holy Spirit that he had just received, opened up the door of that house, and began to speak to the nations that had gathered together to celebrate Pentecost that day. And what's getting ready to happen is simply this. Once this testing period is over, once God has refilled his house in us, we're going to open back up the doors of this house. And we're not just going to stay inside the four walls of this house, but we're going out with a message, right? We're going out with a message that our God reigns. Let the earth rejoice. We have a solution to the pollution problem, and that is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come on. If you believe it, I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet this morning, and let's give the Lord praise. Come on, let's just worship him right here. Amen. Let's worship him. Father, we need a wind from another place. Come on, right where you're at, just begin to ask him, Lord, start with me. Start with me, Lord. Maybe I need to repent. Maybe I need to remember. Maybe I need to return and to begin my first works over again. Before I go looking at anyone else, before I go pointing my finger at anyone else, Let it start with me. us, Lord. I know you're not through with this nation. Bring healing on this land, Father. Just like the dove brought that branch, Lord, bring peace to this nation. Bring peace to this nation, Lord. Let the hostility cease. 
place to rest. Fill this house, Lord. It's in your mighty name that we pray. It's in your mighty name that we believe. It shall be. Come on, do you believe it shall be? Come on, you believe God's going to remember us? Come on, it's okay. You believe God's going to release the dove again from this place? I believe it with all of my heart. Thank you for joining us online, church, today. We love and appreciate you so, so very much. Those of you that are here this morning, God bless you. Thank you so much. I pray that this word doesn't condemn us because it's not meant to. I pray that this word would challenge us. Challenge us to examine ourselves, but challenge us to say, we know that the best is yet to come.